ومن أحسن قولا ممن دعا إلى الله وعمل صالحا وقال إنني من المسلمين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين Last week, I talked about a very important topic related to the subject of parents raising young, confident Muslim men. Muslim men who have an understanding of how to make difficult decisions in life. They are a man enough that when they are in marriage and they have their backs are against the wall and they have to make difficult uh, decisions or they're confident in their decisions and so forth, it is a responsibility to raise young, confident Muslims. And not only that, making sure that these Muslim men, especially the Muslim men, they're not always running back to their parents and trying to have the parents make decisions for them. And we talked about this, that making sure, also making sure that the parents, especially the mothers, are not always making decisions uh, for their kids. So today, inshallah, I want to talk about another important issue that is taking place in our families. And many people are struggling and many people are suffering because of this. And this is where we see that there is a concept of Islam, there's a concept in our deen, and there's a concept in culture. And what's happening is that clearly we see in these kind of matters that I'm about to talk about that there is a clash between Islam and culture. And clearly you will see by the end of this video that how culture is making life difficult. In fact, the cultural setup is such that it goes against the teachings of our deen. So let's begin inshallah. So we begin with the engagement process. When a man intends to marry a woman, of course, they reach out to the family. And once both families have agreed that, you know, these two people are suitable to get married to each other, then the next step takes place, which is called the engagement. This engagement in, in Arabic is also known as khitbah basically means that these two people are committed to get married they are committed that they will marry each other in the uh, in the future inshallah and the reason of establishing the engagement is so that no other person can reach out to this person or no other person can reach out to this woman and asking or making or sending a proposal uh, to marry her. This is something that everyone in the community should understand that now this woman, she's engaged to someone else and no one should uh, make a proposal to her. In fact, we find this in the in a hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari where the Prophet ﷺ, he says that a person, when a transaction has happened between two people, a third person should not come and perhaps interrupt that transaction, especially if there's already an agreement between two people. And perhaps someone may come and say to the, to the seller that I'm willing to give you more for this. And hence, a lot of times the seller will say, you know what, they will cancel the initial transaction and they'll try to sell it to the second person. The Prophet is telling us that the second person, what he's doing is something that is wrong. Also, in the same hadith, the Prophet says that when two people are engaged, there is an agreement between two people, then a third person should not come in and perhaps derail that engagement process. So that is why we understand the importance of engagement. But now here's the issue that we find. There are some cultures there are some cultures that when a husband or when a, a man and woman they are engaged day one their engagement dawah takes place or a party takes place uh, to celebrate their engagement but from day two onwards till the day they become actually married and there's a nikah that takes place these two people are hanging around 
around each other. They're going everywhere with each other. They're going on, you know, dates and so forth. They're holding hands or hugging each other. And a lot of times they begin to even seek um, um, khalwa and seclusion. This is something that is completely forbidden in our deen. Even if two people are in an engagement, two people are engaged to each other, and they are committed to marrying each other, that still does not permit them, Islamically speaking, that they can go around and they can act like husband and wife wherever um, going forward from day number two. They have to still act as they are non-mahram men and women to each other. They have a non uh, they have a non-mahram relationship amongst themselves. And and that will be till the day that nikah takes place. After the day of nikah, then of course they are now husband and wife. And things that were perhaps forbidden before, now they become uh, permissible post-nikah. Now, the issue is that what happens now from this, as I said, this is, a, this is one issue. But now we come to the point of the nikah. And often here, there's a lot of issues that do take place. And let me explain. There are some cultures that believe that the nikah or the katbi kitab is the engagement. So what they refer to, they refer to the katbi kitab as the engagement. And what happens after that katbi kitab or the nikah is that they believe, both families believe that this husband and wife, they are now actually husband and wife, but they should still treat each other and behave around each other as if they are non-mahram men and women to each other. And they have a non-mahram relationship to each other. And this is a very problematic situation because once again, culture is saying that even though their katwi kitab is done or the nikah is done, they've gone through an aqdu nikah, Islam says they are husband and wife. Islam says that they are they are allowed to be around each other. Islam says that if they want to seek um, uh, solitude, then they can. If they want to be around each other alone, then they can. This is Islam gives that permission. However, some cultures, they continue to say that no, this is not right. And let me give you an example. These are just few cases, case studies for you to understand what I'm talking about. I had a man who came to me one time and he was really upset. He actually shared with me his very personal story. He said that even after my katbi kitab, I was not allowed to see my wife for the next eight months. From that point onward, from the point of his nikah, till the time when the marriage was consummated, there was eight, there was an eight month gap. And I'll talk about that later on, that should we have long uh, or big gaps or not between the, uh, the nikah or the consummation. But here at this point, this brother is telling me that even after the nikah was done, his father-in-law prohibited him to see his wife for the next eight months. In fact, the father did not even allow him to even take his daughter, meaning that this man who's upset is his, is his wife, he did not, he was not even given permission. This man did not allow his son-in-law to take his daughter even to, even for a simple cup of coffee and so forth. So once again, this is an extreme case. We see that Islam says they are both permitted to be around each other. But once again, the culture says that no, they should not be around each other. And then once again, this is a prime example of how culture is really, really making life difficult for many of our young men and women. Let me give you another example. I had another, I had a sister who came to me. She says she was crying a lot. I asked her sister, why are you crying? She says that me and my husband, we are engaged. 
So I asked her for more clarification because in some, once again, in some cultures, engagement simply means that these two people are committed to get married. But in some cultures, engagement means that their nikah has already taken place. Their aqdun nikah is completed. So I asked for uh, more detail. She said that her aqdun nikah has already taken place, meaning that she to her, she is a wife and her uh, her husband, um, she is a, they, they have, of course, a, a, a husband-wife relationship, but she was crying for what reason? Here's a key thing. She says to me that she went to go see her husband. And while they were around each other, she hugged her husband. Listen to this very carefully. She hugged her husband. She actually believes that she committed a crime. She actually believes that she committed a sin. And I had to tell her, sister, you did nothing wrong. He is your husband. And she's telling me, but in my culture, they actually tell me that we are still haram for each other. We're not allowed to be around each other and so forth. Once again, brother and sister, this is another example of how culture is really making life difficult for our young brother and sisters. Our deen has taught us if the nikah has taken place, there was two witnesses, there was a ijab, there was qabul, there was a mahar and so forth, There was a, and, and this all happened in the presence of a wali, then that is a complete nikah, and therefore to keep two people away from each other is simply wrong. I'll give you another third example. A sister came to me and told me that she's a single mother, she raised her daughter by herself for many years, and now she got to the point that, you know, she was able to, mashallah, be an amazing um, mother to her daughter. She raised her properly, gave her proper tarbiyah, and she found a good man for her daughter. And now um, she, her daughter is married off. Here's what she's telling me. She's telling me that even though the aqdun nikah has already taken place, and she understands the Islamic rules regarding this matter, but she's telling me at the same time that because we did not have an official consummation um, uh, uh, party or wedding or rukhsati kind of dinner and so forth and her daughter is now going and visiting her hu her husband her daughter is going and visiting her husband at her at his home now people in the community are calling this woman criticizing her telling her that what kind of a mother are you what kind of a mother are you don't don't you have any concept of tarbiyah? What are you teaching your daughter? And she's telling these other sisters and ladies of the community that what wrong am I doing? And these other people are criticizing her, telling her that how can you allow your daughter to go to her husband's house? The the wedding has not taken place. The rukhsati or the consummation uh, party or like the where basically they they send off the women and so forth. That wedding has not taken place. How can you allow this? And she's telling them it's. Islamically, she has the right, but once again, in the society, they're basically criticizing her because they believe that even after the Aqdun Nikah, they are not allowed to be around each other. So you see that there's a serious problem when it comes to these kind of matters. Our deen, once again, is very clear. If the Aqdun Nikah has taken place, then both husband and wife are allowed to be around each other. Now, there is a question that many people have asked. What if the Wali has an agreement in place with the husband or the, his future son-in-law. Basically, the wali sits down with his future son-in-law and says, okay, you know what? You will get married, inshallah, to my daughter, but there will be a, there will be a gap between uh, the aqdun nikah and the consummation of marriage. And uh, during this time, I don't want you to be intimate with her. 
And the father is saying that, you know what, you can take her out, go for coffee, go on a date and so forth, go for dinner and so forth. This is all fine. I have no problem. Now, what this father is doing is absolutely fine. Okay, there's nothing wrong with the father, what he's doing. If he's putting a rule in place, he's putting a condition in place and a request in place that please, I don't want anything to happen prior to consummation, but you can be around each other and so forth. He's okay. If this man agrees, then he should uphold his agreement and his promise to this uh, to his uh, future father-in-law. But then there are other cases that happen. Let me give you one. Let me give you one uh, scenario. And this is actually a true story that happened where there was a father who was talking to his future son-in-law and telling him that, you know, I don't want you to be, you know, necessarily intimate with my daughter and so forth, even though your nikah has taken place and yes, you can be around each other and so forth. Coincidentally, they actually were intimate with each other, even before their marriage was actually consummated. Before they actually had the wedding party, they did consummate the marriage. And once again, they are husband and wife to each other. Now, did this man do something that is wrong from an ethical point of view in the, in the terms of that he made a promise to his father-in-law and he broke that promise? Did he do something that is wrong? Indeed, he did. Okay, there's no question about that. He made a promise. He should have stuck to his promise. However, what happened in that story was that the father got so upset that he stepped in and he forced a talaq. He forced a divorce in this particular situation. That man did something that is wrong. He should have held up his end of the bargain by not being intimate. But they are husband and wife at the end of the day. And yes, even if they were intimate with each other, they never committed haram. So for this father to go and say that now that he, he did this and she did this, now their marriage is going to be officially over. And he actually did initiate a divorce and he forced his daughter into a divorce. So this is once again, we find that this is extremely problematic and something that is not permissible at all. Yes, once again, he did, he should have lived up to his promise, but if it happens between a husband and wife, it is absolutely fine. Now, finally, I do want to address that. What about when we talk about a delay? You know, a lot of times people, they say, we're going to get, you know, we're going to get married. We're going to do the Aqdun Nikah or some cultures call it the engagement. And then you have, for example, the the Rukhsati dinner or event, or some people refer to it as the wedding, which is basically they are, um, you know, sending off the bride to the to the groom's family and so forth. Now, the question is that how long should there be a gap and should there be a long gap or not? We do find in the case of Rasulullah when he came to Aisha that yes, there was a gap and there was a gap for approximately three years. Aisha's nikah, Aqdun nikah took place with Rasulullah at the age of six. Their, and their marriage was consummated when she was nine. Now, but at the same time, in this day and age, I don't recommend at all that there should be a long gap, especially because of the society that we live in. It is very evident, very clear that there is so much promiscuity. There's so much uh, fitna that is taking place in our society. As it is, it is already very difficult for our youth to protect their faith. And here's what's happening. See, a lot of times the youth are stay, taking a step back and they're saying, you know what, I understand that this is haram, I'm going to stay away from it. And they really are determined about it. They they hold on firm to their faith and the teachings of their faith. But what happens is that when they are now married, now everything that was not permissible for them now is permissible. Now for them to be around a woman is permissible. If for them to be around their wife is permissible. For them to be intimate with their, with their wife is permissible. For them to be, you know, just be in the company of their wife or their husband is permissible. And now when something is now halal, we as a community, we are holding them back. You see the problem here? 
Something that has been made haram, they stayed away from it, but now Allah and His Prophet have made something halal, and we are still keeping pulling our youth behind, and pulling our youth back and saying, you know what, do not, do not do anything right now, do not be around your wife and so forth. This is not making life easy for them. And this is why, believe it or not, I'm gonna say this very clearly, and there is no doubt in this fact that there are many Muslim boys and girls of our community who are involved in dating. There are many young Muslim brothers and sisters of our community who are committing zina and so forth. And the reason why is because we're making marriage difficult for them. By bringing our cultural teachings, our cultural practices and behaviors, and whatever we used to do a long time ago within our families and the countries we used to come from, and now we're bringing that and we're trying to infuse that into Islam. Our deen is very clear. You see that our deen has made life easy for everyone. When Allah says, Yuridullahu bikumul yusr, wala yuridu bikumul usr, even though this ayah is in the context of fasting, but this statement in itself is so profound and is so true to every single thing that we find in the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet. So, parents, let's be mature about this. Parents, Let's try to follow the teachings of our deen. If our, if the culture, if our cultures are clashing with our deen and is making life difficult, let's put aside our culture and let's practice our beautiful deen. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us tawfiq. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. إِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَالْمُسْلِمَاتِ وَالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ وَالْقَانِتِينَ وَالْقَانِتَاتِ وَالصَّادِقِينَ وَالصَّادِقَاتِ وَالصَّابِرِينَ وَالصَّابِرَاتِ وَالْخَاشِعِينَ وَالْخَاشِعَاتِ والخاشعين والخاشعات والمتصدقين والمتصدقات والصائمين والصائمات والحافظين فروجهم والحافظات والذاكرين الله كثيرا والذاكرات أعد الله لهم مغفرة وأجرا عظيماً